This is a Tadad podcast. Welcome to the Tadad podcast. This is Jimena Acedo, technical assistant advisor in the Tadad Secretariat. In this episode, we will have a conversation with Catherine Barr, Deputy Director of the Fiscal Affairs Department at the International Monetary Fund. Catherine was the pioneer of the virtual TADAT assessments, which started with Colombia in July 2020, exactly a year ago. Today, she will share her experience in the Colombian TADAT assessment. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much, Jimena. It's a great pleasure to be with you today and to talk about our uh, virtual Tadat with the Dian in Colombia. Thanks, Catherine. You pioneered the planning and execution of the Tadat remote missions. And with that in mind, could you please share with us your experience in leading the first virtual Tadat mission? Especially since you had to operate under very new modality of conducting TADAT assessments. Sure, I'd love to share that with you, um, Jimena. I think one of the things that we appreciated is that we could do the TADAT at all in the middle of the pandemic. And doing a virtual TADAT meant that even though it was quite different than doing it in person, we were able to do it. And following your training session, which was also virtual. And uh, I think that that simply made it possible for us to do the exercise. And that was a big advantage. And it allowed us also to have some flexibility in scheduling the meetings and waiting for the best person to talk to. We didn't have to run around town moving between buildings, but we could just wait for the person to log in. And we could have uh, repeat meetings if there was information that we didn't understand very well or we wanted additional details. So being able to do that remotely helped. There was one other thing that I think was important is that because it was the pandemic and some of the mission members were actually moving countries, they were going back home, but they were still able to remain part of the mission because they were able to log in and participate remotely from the country uh, where they moved to, uh, in this case, Spain. One of our participants moved from Panama to Spain. And that was great without any hiccup, any uh, transition cost or interruption to the mission. And if it had been in person, of course, that would not have been possible. We, we would have lost that person in, in the mission team. So it really allowed us to have the right team at the right time. That sounds good and positive, but I suppose there must have been also challenges during the TADAT mission, right? What stands out to you as the key challenges? And uh, most importantly, how did you overcome them? Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Jimena. Yes, in fact, there were several challenges and that's what made it interesting, right? Every time you have something unexpected, it makes it more interesting. Uh, and one of the things was that it took longer for us to conduct all our meetings and get the data 
probably than it would have been in person. So one big challenge is that the mission turned out to be more like three weeks instead of the two weeks that we normally take to do these missions. And part of it was also because it's not always possible in virtual environment to have these long meetings that you do in person. You realize that it's more difficult to hold people's attention for more than you know an hour or an hour and a half when you're doing, uh, in this case, it was MS Teams meetings. We had a little bit of MS Team exhaustion after about 10 days of doing this. So that was a challenge, but we ended up, uh, I think, addressing it by just extending the time of the mission and acknowledging that we were not going to be able to finish everything in 12 days or 14 days and giving ourselves and the authorities the time to gather the data if there there was additional data they wanted to provide us and having some follow-up meetings. And so that's how we addressed it. And and I think we also made sure to have uh, more interactions with the team that was organizing the meetings on the Dian side. So we would touch base with them really frequently. And it was, you know, even by through WhatsApp and email messages, just to make sure that we were on the same page and we weren't assuming one thing uh, and, and they were assuming another. So more interactions. And of course, I think, the training was one of the ways that we would overcome the challenge of, of having the same language, of speaking the same language, because the training helped the country authorities understand what some of these standardized concepts are when we talk about compliance risk management, when we talk about uh, you know, performance management and performance indicators. And so I think I would say that one of the ways that Uh, One of the key challenges, which was speaking different tax administration languages, was, I think, in part overcome by having that, you know, very good training, that training with lots of participation uh, before the mission started. And I I think another one of the key challenges was that normally in TADAP missions, the, the mission team must visit two or three uh, local tax offices or regional tax offices to complete the exercise that reflects what's happening at the regional or local tax level, right? To get the the full picture of how the tax administration is operating. And of course, we weren't able to do that in person, but the virtual environment allowed us to talk to officials in the, the major cities that we would have otherwise visited anyway. And that was a really good thing that allowed us also to have a better understanding of how the tax administration was working from a different perspective than the headquarters office. So I think it mirrored the physical uh, visits and the information and the understanding we, we would have gathered from the physical visits, but it allowed us to do that in, in a virtual way. And it also allowed the managers in the regional and local tax offices to understand what the Tadat was all about, right? We understood them better, and I think they understood our role better. Uh, you know, what was this exercise about? Why were we doing it? And what could they gain from their perspective to improve their operations? Because they're always a slightly different perspective when you're talking to people who are closest to the taxpayers uh, and, you know, executing the, act, the the headquarters design strategies and policies. So hearing from them, uh, including in a virtual environment, was extremely useful and interesting for us. 
Thank you, Catherine. Glad to hear the training, remote in this case, was instrumental to facilitate a common ground for the mission team and the country authorities, or in your own words, to speak the same tax administration language. You also highlighted the increased participation of regional offices in both the training and the assessment as a positive aspect of the remote delivery mode. But uh, didn't you miss anything? I have to tell you, Jimena, that I really missed tasting the very good coffee of the region of Antioquia because we weren't there in person. And so I, I will have to return to Colombia to have some of their lovely cuisine and especially their delicious coffee. Oh, I can completely relate to that. I'm sure you'll be able to do that in the future. So let's move to the next question. We know that the Fiscal Affairs Department collaborated with other capacity development partners in conducting this remote assessment. Who were they and what value did they bring to the assessment in particular? And in your view, why is it important the collaboration between international organizations? That's a great question, Jimena. And we were able to collaborate with three other organizations. In other words, the mission team represented the IMF, who, which led the, the mission team, the Inter-American Development Bank, SIET, and the World Bank. And uh, we had a very nice uh, a mission team. There were two of us from the IMF, uh, one IDB representative, and occasionally we were joined by the local economist, Uh, from the IDB office in Bogota, one representative from SIAT and one of our colleagues from the World Bank. These multi-organization missions are really add a lot of value because each organization brings some knowledge. And yeah, some of it is common, but slightly different perspective and slightly different experience uh, regarding the status of the tax administration in the country. And in the case of the IDB, for example, that has the local economist in the IDB office in Bogota, he was closer to the action. In other words, he, he was more aware of the day-to-day -day issues that are affecting the DIAN and the context in which the DIAN had to operate at the moment, especially given uh, that, that it was in the midst of the pandemic and all of the, the challenges it, it was facing and the demands for, from government to You know, introduce measures, uh, facilitate taxpayers' compliance, uh, and also support business during the pandemic. So it really helped bring together slightly different perspectives, and uh, but also form a unified view of the strengths and weaknesses of the tax administration compared to good international practice. But it's it's of great value to bring in people from different organizations. One more observation that I think is, is important is that doing a TADAT with the, these organizations altogether means that there will be one assessment rather than different organizations coming in and each doing their own assessment um, and, and coming to perhaps some similar conclusions and some different conclusions. In other words, you avoid duplication on this. And that's important both for, for the result of the, the product itself but also for the, for 
for the country that it's a more efficient use of the officials' time and of the management team's time to have one assessment as opposed to, you know, two or three, and sometimes even more. So avoiding duplication of efforts on the assessment side is really of great value as well. Thank you so much, Catherine. Definitely many positive sides of undertaking TADAT assessments in a collaborative way. Other than the virtual TADAT mission, how was your revision adapted to the COVID-19 environment? Has it changed the way you are delivering capacity development to the IMF member countries? That's a good question, Jimena. I, I think that by the time we did the TADAT mission, which was in July 2020, we already had had uh, a few months of experience in delivering virtual capacity development to our IMF member countries. So we, we went at it full force, delivering our work program. Some countries, with some countries, it was easier. Countries that were more used to working uh, with, in a virtual environment to begin with. Countries that had good connectivity, which fortunately is the case in Colombia. And countries that, are, uh, that had been more used to you know, had become more used to working this way in general. So we completely switched, not only in Tadat, for our entire CD delivery. And it was a huge learning curve for all of us. For some of us, it was more easy. For others, there was a great deal of frustration and thinking at first, this may not work or this isn't working, and then slowly getting used to it. Um, so I think we made a very good effort, although I think the adaptation really varied uh, by country. But we ended up executing, or that is delivering, a very high proportion of our work program in terms of the number of, of missions and the number of assignments on the topics that the authorities wanted advice on. Uh, certainly in Latin America and the Caribbean region, there was a high proportion of our planned work program that we were able to conclude, and we were very happy about that. And we did some things differently, though, uh, which was good. I mean, this is a very different context, right? So, for example, we, along with our other fiscal affairs department colleagues, we prepared a series of, of short guidance notes. There were five on revenue administration issues, including customs administration and extractive industry revenue administration issues. And six, uh, there were six guidance notes that were produced on various aspects of tax policy issues, including, for example, uh, the issue of uh, tax policy designed to address inequality or to take into account inequality, very much uh, responding to the impact of, of the crisis. We also did something that, uh, based on the data gathering exercise we've done for ISORA, International Survey on Revenue Administration, which is a big Um, platform for gathering uh, uh, operational and institutional tax administration data. On, based on that, we also gathered a lot of data on measures that the countries were taking to respond to the crisis. And we, 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 we prepared a short survey, we sent it, and then we, uh, we summarized and compiled all that data and shared this with the country. One of the questions they told us that, you know, we said, how can we help? And they said, let us know what others are doing. How are others responding to the crisis? So that data gathering and, and summary reporting on what measures countries were implementing, 
I think, played an important role in, in enabling us to share the data across countries and meet their needs. And I think throughout the, throughout the crisis, we did a lot more touching base with country authorities. In other words, we were, we were more flexible if they wanted to meet, if they wanted to discuss specific issues in, in touching base and understanding what the context was they were going through before the actual technical assistance mission or capacity development mission. We did a lot more of that because we, when you're not there in person, it's like wearing blinders, right? You don't know as much of what's happening in the country. You, you don't realize how much information you absorb just by going to the country, not only reading the reports and talking to people and understanding what the situation is in a country. And all of this we had to do virtually. So it was more work, but we've, I think we found different ways of trying to you know, get that familiarity. And we had... Because of the, the, the crisis and the way we worked, we had a lot more contact with our own resident advisors in the countries. In the regional capacity development centers of the IMF, we included them more in our missions, in our planning missions, in our taking stock missions, and in the actual CD delivery. And that was very good. I think as a result of the crisis, I feel that we, we, we established more inclusive teams on our side. And that meant that we also had more, more feedback from the ground on what those resident advisors were seeing. To my surprise, we were able to organize really pretty major international conferences that we had planned at some point in person. And then we said, well, we can't do it in person. What are we going to do? And we had four big VAT conferences in which we discussed different aspects of uh, value-added tax policy and administration, uh, including those that were really relevant during the pandemic, like uh, how, to, how to address inequality, the issue of inequality uh, and the, and the value-added tax, and for helping countries build back their revenues and, and build resilience in a post-COVID 19 environment. So we, we, we did organize those and they were very well attended. To our surprise, it was an average five or 600 people attending these uh, officials and others attending these conferences. Lots of interesting stuff. If I must say your division quickly adjusted to the new reality and really made good use of the time during the pandemic. Following on that, do you think that this new virtual modality of delivering capacity development extensively used during the last year will become common in the future? I, I think we'll have a combination, Jimena, of both the in-person and physical delivery of CD and virtual. And it will, of course, depend on what's the best for the countries. I mean, we are, they are our clients and what will have to respond based on what they prefer. I know that there are some countries that are just waiting for us to come back in person and they're not so enthusiastic about working in a virtual environment, but there are others that are more flexible and that have said, look, what you've done virtually has been really helpful and uh, let's continue until we can all travel and see each other again. Um, so I think it will be a combined, people use the word hybrid, but uh, I, I think it, it'll be a combined way of working with countries based on what, what they want and what they need. Thank you so much for your insight. Any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? 
sure. I don't know if it's wisdom, but there's some of my impressions I'd be happy to share. I think the first thing is that that I learned from doing the virtual Tadat in Colombia is that we shouldn't be afraid of trying new ways of doing things, even though we might not know exactly how it's going to turn out. Uh, but when a country officials would like us to do something and are you know, eager for, in this case, for the Tadat assessment to be undertaken, I think we should do everything you know, to jump at the opportunity and, and help them. And, you know, if, I think if this means doing it virtually, then, then going ahead. So don't, you know, don't be afraid of, of trying new ways of doing things. That's sort of one, one message. The second is that I, I really think that the Tadat, whether it's done in person or virtually, is, can be really useful for an administration. It's a, it's a way of stepping back. And especially for the uh, for the management team, you know, that's setting forth strategy, investing resources, responding to government to understand where they are, what their main strengths are, what their main weaknesses are. I mean, it's true that when one does it virtually, you may not get all of the nuances that you get when you're doing it in person. But I still think you can apply the framework and that it can be of great value to, to the country. Uh, authorities when they're thinking about uh, defining a way forward and defining a strategy. And, and also that it's a way for government to understand what, what progress they're making over time, whether it's in person or virtually. If an administration wants to say, look, I really want to I under, not only understand what my strengths and weaknesses are, but over two or three or four years, really work on addressing those weaknesses and making a visible improvement and a measurable improvement. And the Tadat is a way, is one of the ways that an administration can do that. I think that's really positive. Another message I'd like to convey, it's not only about weaknesses, right? What are your relative weaknesses, but also the relative strengths and what the mission teams and others can learn about interesting things the administrations are doing uh, around the world. And for example, that the DN has made enormous progress on listening to taxpayers and incorporating their views, especially as regard, uh, you know, providing information and delivering taxpayer services. And they've done so in such creative ways by using social media and, and, and having that be a channel of information. And that's something that not all administrations are, are taking advantage of, right? So to see that and how that's being done is really an interesting thing. And maybe the final observation I would have is that countries should be careful not to view the Tadat as a report card, but rather uh, as a way of, of uh, having an idea of what, what is going, going in the right direction in terms of good international practice and where things can improve. And, and I think both are really important. Like, where am I doing things right? You know, go, continue on that route. And where can I do things better or differently? And then what do I need to do to get there? And one example from the Tadats we've done during this period is the issue of preparing for disasters. It sounds kind of obvious, but it really, it really revealed a major weakness in several countries that we're just not prepared to, you know, for business continuity plans where something pretty theoretical or maybe very, very short and only limited to a few aspects of the administration's operations. I think we learned a lot 
on the issue of preparing business continuity plans and being more ready for uh, disasters. I want to say disasters because that's what it was, such as this one. Um, and so the, the TADAP helps put these kinds of issues on the radar of senior management teams. And, and it helps identify major areas where improvements are needed, really major areas. And this can be really valuable for the leadership of, of tax administrations at a time when the, these organizations are under such stress and so many demands are being made of them up, across the world. Catherine, thank you very much for accepting our invitation and for sharing with our audience your experience and insights. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Jimena, thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me as well. The TEDAP podcast is available free of charge. The views expressed in the TEDAP podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent those of the International Monetary Fund or the IMF policy. Materials from the podcast may be reproduced with proper attribution. Comments and correspondence may be emailed to podcast at tedat.org. TEDAT is a collaborative undertaking of the following partners, the European Union, France, Germany, the International Monetary Fund, Japan, the Netherlands, Norway, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, and the World Bank.